This week's parsha is Parshas Bishalach. And of course, the centerpiece, the highlight of the parsha is the Shira Sayam. And we know that a Jew has to live with a parsha. Whenever we lay in a parsha, it's not just a random occurrence and it just happens to fall out on the calendar at a given time. We know that the parshias were set up in a certain way that a Yid, when he studies the parshias, is supposed to always take a lesson from them. That's why every week we give a shmuz and we try to draw uh, valuable lessons from the parsha to our lives. That's why Rabbanim throughout the world have always given drushas from the pulpit, uh, and generally they tie a lesson from the parsha into current events or into the uh, situation that that community is facing at that given time. That's not just a uh, a vehicle by which to share a message, but there's truth to that. Because we live uh, in a world, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world by looking in the Torah, and everything that we need in our life, in our personal universe, is going to be shown to us through the parsha of that particular week. The parsha of the Shira, the Shira Sayyam, there's a lot going on in the Shira Sayyam. It's a major Shira, it's something that is one of the great songs that the world has ever heard. It was all given, of course, Baruch HaKadosh, by Meshra Rabbeinu, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I just want to share with you something that I saw this morning I remember it, it was kicking around in the back of my head from Yisait V'Sheresh HaVayda, one of the great, uh, I guess a Musser work, a Machshava work. Yisait V'Sheresh HaVayda lived about the same time as the Vilna Gain, and he basically has a Sefer that he gives Kavanis. He gives deep, mystical Kavanis to a lot of the things that we do, and particularly during davening. And I found that he writes about the Shira Sayyam not in the spot that you'd expected when he's describing the tefillahs of the day and of Shabbos Yam Taivim, but rather when he speaks about Shvi Shal Pesach. It's in a, a chapter called Chaybas Hamayadim. And he speaks about the way, he always is very into tapping into the, the time of where we're holding. So, for example, on Shvi Shal Pesach, you shouldn't just um, commemorate the Shvi, you should live Shvi Shal Pesach. And he says that the morning of Shvi Shal Pesach, when you wake up in the morning, that Yantif morning, the seventh day of Pesach, which is, of course, when Kriyas Yamsuf took place, Achar Tara, after you go to a, to be Tevil in a Mikvah Tara, this is what he writes, Yispalel Tevil Shachris Bekavona Atsuma. You should daven shachris with tremendous kavana, uvi yichud, and especially shiras hayam. The shiras hayam is especially something that you should be mechaving to, because after all, this is the day that we uh, that we were zeichet to say shiras hayam. So there's a specially significant uh, meaning to shiras. I remember one year I was uh, I came a little late to shul or something. Maybe I wasn't feeling so well. And, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're trying to, uh, you know, catch up to where the, where the tzibur is holding, you, you sort of cut out different parts of Tzikad Zimra. And I remember that 
one of the parts that I caught that I that I cut out in my haste to get up to the tzibur on Shvishal Pesach with Shiras Ayam. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm cutting out, this is what, if there's one day that I should be focused on the Shir Sayam, it should be the day that we actually were Zaychah to say the Shir Sayam. And that should always be in our mind, that whenever we're doing something, we have to try to do it, especially in the day that it actually happened. So, Shahaisa Be'etzem Ayayim Shir Sayam happened on this day, we should be saying it with great appreciation, with great gratitude. And we should try to get near and close and appreciating HaKadosh Baruch more and more. And that day of Shvi Shal Pesach, the Kriya Satayra is not surprisingly what we're going to be laning tomorrow, the Shira Sayam. And when we lane that, he says in, in, in Shul on, on, on Yantav morning, Shvi Shabbesach, Yate Oznoi Hetev Lakriya Sakaria Bifnim Bechomish, we should be leaning our ear, bending our ear so that we carefully hear all of the words that are being spoken out by the Balkari and the Chomish. We should be paying attention. And we should be understanding them through the prism of all that we understand Shiras Hayam to mean. He says, How do we know what Shiras Hayam means? Because you're supposed to be Mavir Sedrish, And when you're Mavir Sedrish, on Friday morning, which is when many people are Mavir Sedrish, and specifically, People that are into Kabbalah, very Hasidim, I think, have the minute to Maver Seder Dafka this morning on Friday mornings. He says, when you're able to really absorb the lessons of Shir Sayyam, Pasuk by Pasuk, Targum by Targum, Rashi by Rashi, so all of those, that beautiful blend of understanding what the Torah is talking about of Shir Sayyam should be coming to the fore of your mind as the Balkari is reading the parsha, and you should be filled with joy. And you should know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, without questioning at all, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has tremendous hanah from this, if we do this, on Shvi Shal Pesach. And I don't think that the Yisrael B'Sher Shavad would argue with me if I would say over that this is definitely true tomorrow. As we're standing in yeshiva and we're listening to the, first of all, before that, as we say Pesukah de Zimra, and we're saying Az Yashir Meisha, and this is a Shabbos that we're, it's called Shabbos Shira. It's the Shabbos that the Shira comes to life. When we're saying Az Yashir, we should imagine to ourselves that we're standing at the bank of the, of the Yamsuf, seeing the Egyptians our enemies, our mortal enemies that had embittered our life for hundreds of years, washing up to the shoreline with all the Bizas Hayam and Klai Yisrael recognizing the Yad and being able to finally feel not only free Beguf, but also Benefesh. All of those feelings should be coming to our hearts, to our souls, to our minds. We should be dancing as we're saying Az Yashir tomorrow morning by Pesukah de Zimra. And then when we hear the special, beautiful Tam Elyon of Sigurd Zimra, of, of the Az Yashir in the Kriya Satira also, 
we should be understanding what we're saying. We should be learning about it beforehand, trying to take his iris from the shiras hayam so that we're living it tomorrow as we are laying it together, Bitsibur. So we don't have time, obviously, right now to go through the entire shiras hayam, pasuk by pasuk, but it's kedai. If you're Maver Sedra, you're going to be doing it anyway. If for whatever reason you're not Maver Sedra, it's Kedai just to take a, a Chumash with Rashi and, uh, and try to learn through the Psukim before the Az Yashir, leading up to the Az Yashir uh, and the Az Yashir, and try to understand it with all the Rashis and Mepharshim. But I want to just leave you with something today, a Tzedel Adarach, that you should be able to take tomorrow with you into into understanding something very, very important, one of the most important Yisaitis of life that we could really, I think, derive this morning from the Az Yashin. Towards the end of the Shira in Perak Tesvav, Pasuk Yodzayin, the Pasuk says, Mikdash Hashem Kainu Yadecha, one of the great psukim that, that Klai Yisrael sings the Rabbi Yisraelim, is that the Mikdash of Hashem you are formed with your hands. And this is not the only time that the Jews, as they were leaving Mitzrayim and singing this, this essential and inspirational song, Takarish Baruchu, they mentioned the Beis HaMikdash. They also said it previously, they said it before in Pasuk Beis, a more famous Pasuk perhaps, Zeh Keli Vanveu. This is my God. They pointed to the Rebbein Shalom. This is my God. They saw him clearly. Even a mere maidservant alayam, a cleaning lady alayam, was able to see something that the great Navi Yecheskel, the person who wrote about the Maisa Merkava, was not able to see with all of his great visions. Yecheskel Benbuzi was not zeichet to see what a simple maidservant was able to witness alayam. And they were able to gain levels of Ruch HaKadosh that are unfathomable, even to Yechezkel. And they pointed to Hashem. Whenever the Pasuk says, Zeh, it's always Meira Be'etzvah. It always means they're pointing to something. When they say, Zeh Keli Van Veu, this is my God, and I will, uh, Van Veu, I will beautify him, I will adorn him. They meant to say, I'm seeing my God and I'm pointing to him. Zek heli van meyu. And maybe when we say it, when we lane it tomorrow, we'll also be able to, to feel that way. To be able to have a little bit more, a higher level of Asherah Sashchina in our world, that we're able to see a, a semblance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm sure, no doubt, there are people in the world that are holding on Madregas above ours, that they are able by the Shabbos Shira, to lane and say, to be able to feel on a certain level that they could see HaKadosh Baruch Hu And the Targum on those words of Zakeli Van Veyu is, Dein Elekai Uveni La Mikdasha. That is my God. Van Veyu doesn't mean, as the other Mepharshim say, that I will glorify Him I will beautify him, I will adorn him, although we obviously know that the whole din of Zakeh Levan Meu, Hidr Mitzvah, comes from this Pasuk, but the way the Targum learns it is different. The Targum learns that Van Veu is from a Lashon of Nove, Neve Shanon, a place of an abode, a palace, a place of residence, Nove. And 
Vanveo means I will build him an abode. I will build him a makam amikdash. Hakadosh when I when the time comes, I'm going to build you a mikdash. Whether it means the mishkan that were, was going to be built not long after the az yashir was was sung, or it means the beis hamikdash in Yerushalayim, but Klal Yisrael has this chorus in the az yashir that keeps on repeating this desire to build for HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaMakayim HaMikdash. Mikdash Hashem Kainu Yadecha, Zekele V'anveyu. Why does Klai Yisrael have such a, a need to build for HaKadosh Baruch Hu a Beis HaMikdash? After all, they were Zeich at this point to great Kirbas Hashem. They were seeing Nisim V'neflois that a human eye cannot see. They were about to get the Tyrakadesha, but yet, with all of that, they were still yearning and prophesizing about a mikdash, an elusive mikdash that will someday be built. Now, obviously, the Beis Mikdash is a very important feature in Klai Yisrael's entire existence, but why on the Yam? Why were they so megageya for this mikdash? What was their yearning? What was their desire specifically now to build a makamah mikdash? In the Haggadah Shal Pesach, after Dayenu, after the famous Dayenu song, we say, uh, we sort of recap Dayenu in a very... uh, quick way. Without all the dayenos and daydayenos, we just say a, a paragraph, and it goes, Alachas kama v'kama teva k'fula u'mechupeles l'amakam aleinu. How great is the, is the benevolence, is the goodness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu bestows upon us. And then we go and we start recapping all of the things that we said in dayenu, but in a quicker uh, form. We say, Shaitzianim Mitzrayim he took us out of Egypt, and he, he did uh, plagues for them. He gave us their money. He split the sea for us. And he passed us through in dry land. And he provided for all of our needs in the desert for 40 long years. He fed us the man. He gave us Shabbos. He brought us before our sin. And then he brought us into Eretz Yisrael. And what's the, what's the, the, the crescendo? What's the, the highlight, the end, the final stanza of this long series of wonderful occurrences that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for Klai Yisrael? Uvana lano espes habachira, and he built for us a base habachira, base hamikdash. Lechaper al kol avaynesenu, in order to atone for all of our sins. That's the highlight. Now, whenever you look at, you know, whenever you read a book, some people don't have the zitzvah, don't have the patience to read a whole book. So what do they do? They they start reading the book and say, I don't want to pay. I can't read all. I need to know the end. So they cut to the last page, they read the ending of the book, they find out who the murderer was, they find out how the story ends. They, you want to get you know, the, the tamtis out of something, you always want to see the last, what's the end of it? How does the story end? The story ends 
with Akharish Baruch Hu, beyond all the Nisim, with all, the Eser Makis and the Kriyas Yamsuf and the and the and the Mantaira and all the great events. Uvana Lanu as Besa Bakhira, Akharish Baruch Hu built for us a Besa Bakhira, a Besa Mikdash, Lachaper Al Kalavinisenu, in order to atone for all of our Averis, for all of our sins. That's the end. That's the punchline. That's the takeaway of all the great Nisim. If somebody was to, were to ask you, okay, so we're reading Sefer Shemais, or the Golas of the Geula, and then we go into, into Vayikra, and then we go into Bamidbar, and, and Devarim, and all the events, and the Bollocks, and the Kayaks, and the, and the, what's the, what's the takeaway? What, what, what's, what, in one line, what am I supposed to take away from all the events that happened? One thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu builds for us the Beis HaMikdash. We go into Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim, the Makam HaMikdash. We built, we get built for us a Beis HaBechira, and we have what? Kaparas Avainis. HaKadosh Baruch Hu erases all of our Averis. That's the, that's the punchline. That's the bottom line. After everything that we're reading, the Paray and the Makas Dam and the Tzvardeh and the Kinim, all these Parshias, and then we're going to go into other parshas and the, the Mon and the Slav and the Kairach and the Bullocks and the Bilams. And the, it's all in order to get us into Eretz Yisrael, to build for us a Beis HaMikdash. And for what? Why do we need a Beis HaMikdash? To have a nice, beautiful, uh, to get into architectural digest for having a really beautiful, cool palace? No. It's in order that we should bring Karbanis, have the Shechina with us, and have a Kapara, L'chala V'Neseinu, have a Kapara for our Averis. That's the point of it all. This is what the Altavan Slabotki used to say on this pismen in the Haggadah, that the point of it all, everything, all of the Ave, all of the Maisim that we have in this Alachas Kama Vakama Taiva, it's all Lachaper Lana Al When my father, Al Vashalom, would lead his regal Pesach Seder every year, this was the, uh, and he didn't make this up himself, he got it from his father, he got it from his father, the way he would have a special niggin for this halachas kama v'kama, maybe this is not just in my family, maybe you have it also, but it's sort of like it's a song that you sort of say each and every one of these, uh, and we go through it, and then all of a sudden at the end, that last stanza, all of a sudden becomes like much more pronounced, much more dramatic, and a special nusach. Like, that's it. That's that, that if you would be able to take out a highlighter for, on Pesach, that's what you'd want to highlight of, this, of the Haggadah. That's it. To get a base habachira, al that's what this ultimate Slabatka says. That the point of it all is to get a kapara for sins. If we would understand how priceless it is to be able to mechaper for our averis, we would not be able to, to fathom the gift of Rosh Hashanah, of Yom Kippurim, of an everyday slachlanu, because that's the greatest thing. If you would ask one thing for Akadosh Baruch Hu, it's that I want to be able to end it all with whatever I do in my life, all the great highlights of my life, and I'm going to 
you know, I, I had a bar mitzvah, and then I went to high school, and then I went to Eretz Yisrael, and I learned, and I, I got married, and I had a wife, and I had a, a family, and I had a job, and I made money, and I gave tzedakah, and I, had a, I made chassas for my children, and I had grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all the wonderful experiences, the good, the bad, and everything in between. The ultimate purpose of it all is that you should get through this journey, which we call life, and be able to stand before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, sin-free. That's the whole point of it all. Just like nationally, the point of Klai Yisrael's journeys in the Midbar and this and that is all to build a base of Mechira and to be Mechapra and our Averis. That's our personal journey as well. That's the takeaway for our life. When we lay in Parshas Shira tomorrow, this is the takeaway. Mikdash Hashem Kainu Yedach. I want to be myself a Mikdash Hashem, and I want to have a kapara in my life every day, and I want to be able to live my life so that when I go up before the Kisya Kavit, I'm able to say, I have been Mekayim, your Shlichas, and I am sin free. That doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect through our life. We're not perfect. We're human beings. We're flesh and blood, and we all have Nisyanis, we have Taibis, but Akadish Baruch has such Rachmanis on us. He gives us the ability to do tshuva, which is a crazy thing. And we've spoken about that a million times, about the gift of tshuva, that we're able to actually go back in time and erase our averis. But we have to always, this is the goal of our life, to be able to go before the Kisya Kavid without any averis upon us. L'chaper lanu al This isn't only the Atif and Slabatka's Vart. I saw the same exact Vart in the Haggadah of Rabbi Shimon Schwab. Shimon Schwab was the Merida Asra of Kaladas Yishur and the Broyers community, the Yakisha community in Washington Heights. He was a tremendous Adam Gadol. His Taira is very popular. He wrote the Mayan Beis HaShoeva, which became like a, a, a major classic. It's one of our girl's best-selling Hebrew svarim and, uh, and English svarim. And uh, it, it's, he has beautiful Tyra. And it, Klai Yisrael obviously embraced this safer trend. So there's no, uh, I don't think there's, there's very few Bate Medrash or Bar Mitzvah boys that don't have this safer. And, um, and he writes in about God. this is what he writes, same thing. The point of it all is that I should go before HaKadosh Baruch sin free. If you go to Clifton, New Jersey, Clifton is very close to Passaic. They're like attached. They're literally like they, they just go one, one into another. Clifton, Passaic, it's like one Hatzalah, one, it's one basic community pretty much. It's all one. So in Clifton, there is a Besakvaris, there's a cemetery, and it's the cemetery of the Yakisha community, of the Broyers community. And I go there pretty often because my father is buried there. My grandparents, both sets of grandparents are buried there. Uh, all my uncles and aunts are buried there. Uh, all my relatives pretty much are there. I walk around there. I'm like, hi, uncle. You know, like, it's basically I know more people there than I do in, in Queens. It's like it's, you know, it's... But besides for my relatives being buried there... Um, they have Rav Shimon Schwab and Rav Breuer and Rav Geli, all the Gedalim of Washington Heights, all the, the great German Jewish Gedalim are buried there. 
You don't have to schlep to, you know, to Germany and to, and to Western Europe, Eastern, whatever, if you want. You could just go to Clifton, New Jersey. It's right. It's not so close. It's not so far. And if you go to the kever of Schwab, you'll see it right away because there's a pile of stones on top of it. Like if everyone has like 10 stones, he has uh, 1,000 stones. And uh, Reb Breuer also, obviously, and Reb Geli, but I think Reb Schwab is, is, a, is a very holy place to, to daven for your needs. If, you, if you're into that and if you, if, you, if you have such needs, then it says something very strange on his kever. And he obviously wrote the Matseva himself. He wrote the Nusach of the Matseva that it should be, that should be his epitaph after he dies. And he writes very simply, you know, very, I don't think there are any titles in front of his name, if I'm not mistaken. It just says that Pai Nikvar here is buried, uh, Shimon uh, Ben, his father's name, Schwab, Ben, Yehud, ben Rabbi Yehuda Schwab. And then on the bottom it says, Vashem Imei Chana, his mother's name is Chana, which is a nice addition. Very, very seldom do you have your mother's name on the cover. It's always the father's name, but he wanted his mother's name to be on his cover as well. And he was a uh, rav in, in Germany in a certain city, and then he was a rav in Baltimore, and then he was a rav in Washington Heights. And then there's like a little, bo- like a little box, and inside of the, like, meaning like a frame, and inside the frame there's a pasuk from Mishlei. So it doesn't have anything fancy on the matzah. It didn't say what he did. How, you know, his, his godless entire on Yerushalayim. He was a spokesperson for Klai Yisrael and the Svarim that he wrote and the fact that he had a kashr with the Chavitz Chaim and the fact that he, he was a transition, a, a bridge to this generation of America from the old, from the old world of uh, pre-war Europe. And now he, it doesn't say anything about that. All it says is a Pasuk in Mishlei. What's the Pasuk in Mishlei? The Pasuk says, Mechaseb Sha'av, Lo Yatzliach. If you try to cover up your sins, you will never succeed. You won't succeed in hiding, in, 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 in burying your sins. It's not going to work. Don't try to like hide from your sins. Don't try to run away from your sins. If you do something wrong, If you admit to your sins, and then you abandon them, Yerucham, you will find mercy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you mercy, but you just have to own up to what you've done. You have to face the music. You have to do, you have to fess up to what you've done wrong, and then you'll be okay. If you try to cover up your sins, you're not going to succeed. Face up to it. I did an Avera, and here I'm admitting, I, fa- I, I, I don't have to admit my Averas to you, I can admit them to the rabbinic If I did something to you, I have to admit it to you. If I wronged you, or if I stole from you, or if I did something behind your back, I spoke badly about you, I caused you a loss, I caused you busha, of course I have to go over to you and make amends. But if, let's say, I do something privately between me and myself, I don't have to uh, announce that to the world, that's not anyone's business, but I do have to go to the rabbinic and say, Tata and Himmel, I, 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 I did this wrong, I'm sorry. I don't know how I did it. But I did it, and I please forgive me. And I'm and slach lano avino kichatan mechalan kimi mechila slicha kapara. I need out. I, I have to be mechal. I can't run away from my averes. Now it's very strange that Rav Schwab would choose this pasuk for his kever. Why would he put? Why would he put this on his matzeva? It's a mystery. Nobody knows the answer. But his son writes, 
and I'll quote, he has a son that's uh, the head of the Beis Yaakov of Denver. His name is Mayor Schwab. And he writes as follows. I'm going to read to you just a paragraph. One can only speculate why he wished for this Pasuk. But his instruction to his children upon misbehaving was always, don't cover up for your sins. Don't prolong the agony. Face the music. Do tshuva and go on being a good person. This was like the, the story of his life. Whenever his children misbehaved, he would always go over to them and say, just confess. Stop this nonsense. Don't like, sometimes, you know, you have a child and they're misbehaving and they did something wrong and they try to not talk about it, they try to not deal with it, and they try to, uh, you know, deny it and, 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 and ignore it and, and bury it and, uh, and pretend it's not a, it didn't happen. No, face up to it. You did something wrong, that's okay. You're a human being. You're not, you're not God. But face up to what you did. And when you admit it, that's the best way to go. Rav Schwab himself, when he was a young child, there's a story, I, I, I've said it before, people don't like it so much, I, I don't blame them, it doesn't really fit well with the, the chinuch of 21st century, perhaps, but his father and his mother were from Frankfurt, that's where Rav Schwab was born, and raised, and uh, it was a Yekisha home, which means that there was a lot of love, a lot of warmth, but there was also a stern chinuch system. It doesn't, you know, Yekis are, are not always the, the, the warmest and fuzziest people. They can be that, but they could also be very strict. And one Arab Shabbos, Rav Schwab's mother gave him a certain amount of money, let's say five dollars just to make it easy and she said I want you to go to the store and I need to I need you to get for the, at the grocery store I don't know a dozen eggs and a bunch of carrots and uh, and uh, uh, some some apples and Rav Schwab went as a young boy he went to the store and he also he had some extra change so he saw there was like a chocolate bar there in the store and he bought the chocolate bar, and he came home, and I think he had some chocolate still about around his mouth, but he didn't ask permission to buy the chocolate bar. And as he brought home all the stuff. He said, here, Mama, here's, the, here's everything you asked for. She says, is there any change? He says, no, there, there was no change. That's it. It was all. And she makes a cheshben, and she sees, I guess, the chocolate maybe around his mouth, and, or maybe the, the wrapper was still sticking out of his pocket or something. And she says, there's no change, no change, there's no, 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 no change. So she didn't say anything. But when his father came home before Shabbos, the mother apparently told the father what young Shimon had done. And that night, they came home from shul, and it was time to bench the kids. Now, it just should be pointed out that Rav Schwab was not an anomaly. Rav Schwab was not like... Rav Schwab's brothers were tzaddikim, tzaddikim tzaddikim Yesterday, I, was, I happened to have been in Muncie, and I visited the kever of the Ribnitzer, and, and across the, the fence from the Ribnitzer, Sir Mardachai Schwab, a whole other uh, one of Rav Schwab's brothers, a very tremendous tzaddik from Muncie, and then he has another brother that was mashkiach in, in yeshiva in, in England, there was greatness in this house. This house had greatness in it. But 
Rav Schwab, they were standing, the boys stood on line to get benched on Friday night uh, from their father. That was the minig, and that's uh, the minig by, 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 by my family as well, maybe by yours too. And so Rav Schwab stands before, in front of his father to get benched. And his father says, there's no bracha for you this Shabbos. So I don't give a bracha to a ganav. A ganav doesn't get a bracha. And Rav Schwab was so seared by that line. Again, don't try this at home. I don't know if it's the greatest. I don't think our kids would necessarily react well to this. And I don't know if Rav Schwab reacted well. But I will tell you one thing, that Rav Schwab became the epitome of the Isha Emes, and there's, there's books that could be written and that are written about how perfect he was with his honesty, his integrity, how he would do so many things, and I don't have time to speak about it this morning, but anecdote upon anecdote, story upon story about the meticulousness of, that Rav Schwab had for money and business and how he would instill in his Balabatim and anyone that he would speak to and at Aguda conventions and any forums how important it is to be an ethical, honest, God-fearing Jew and always go out of your way to make a Kiddush Hashem in the workforce and in the street and everywhere that you can. And no doubt that, that took root that Friday night. And from that time, of Schwab would always say, just fess up, don't deny it. Your mother asks you, where, you know, was there any change? Say, Mama, there was change, and I, I, I shouldn't have, but I, I, I bought a chocolate bar with it. Admit to what you did wrong, and that's okay. You can admit it. No, one, no one's perfect. The problem is when we try to cover up for our sins, that's when things get really, that's when things get very twisted and complicated. A lot of times, Lahavdil politicians get into trouble because there's some scandal. And then when they get caught, instead of like admitting it right away, what do they do? They get deeper. They dig a deeper hole for themselves. They deny it. And then, of course, there's always going to be a reporter that's going to figure out a way to prove that he was wrong. And then he gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what they say. It's not the crime. It's the, it's the, it, it's the cover-up. It's trying to cover up for the crime that gets you in trouble. American people are forgiving people. You admit you did something wrong? Okay, machalach. But when you try to lie about it, that's the worst thing. Towards the end of Rav Schwab's life, he called over a very wealthy benefactor that is a, a Yekisha Yid. I happen to know him personally. He happens to be a, a relative of mine. And I spoke to him about this story personally. But... Rav Schwab calls him into his apartment in Washington Heights. And he was already very old, very sick, very frail. And he says, listen, he says, the yeshiva, the Breuer's yeshiva, yeshiva Shamshur Fal Hirsch, has a $1 million deficit. We owe a million dollars. It's a lot of money. It was, I think it was 800000 close to a million dollars. We haven't paid our rabbeim in several months. We haven't paid our teachers, our vendors. He says, I'm about to go up to the Elama Emes. I'm about to die. I'm about to go up to the Elama Emes. How am I going to face God in heaven? Me, the Ish Emes. Everyone says, oh, Rabbi Schwab, Ish Emes, and propriety, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, trustworthiness, and being honest and impeccably you know, uh, meticulous with your dealings. 
baloney. I'm, 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 I'm going up to Shemaim. I haven't paid my rabbeim and my teachers in months because we're lacking a huge hole in our, in our budget. And I, don't, I can't face the Kisei HaKavad like this. I don't have the money. You have the money. This person is a very, very wealthy businessman, extremely, extremely wealthy. He says, I don't have the money. You have the money. Do me a favor. Gift the yeshiva the amount that we need so I could die, I could go up to the Elama Emes and, and I could be sin-free. And my relative told me that he started schwitzing. The, the way the story goes in the, in the public is that he gave him the check, fine, you know, because it's not how it went. He went down to his car, because even if you have a lot of money, you still, it's not easy to write out a check for a million dollars, just not. I mean, you could be a billionaire, it's still not easy. It's just, it's a lot of money to give over. And he was sitting in his car, and he was like thinking about it, and he was schwitzing, and he wasn't so sure. And Rav Schwab had told him, listen, go think about it, and, I'm, and then go home, I'm going to call you, and you'll, you'll give me your answer, and hopefully it will be the answer that I expect. And he said he was schwitzing, he didn't know what to do, and he wanted, he didn't, back and forth. He comes up to his apartment, just as he comes into his, his apartment, he didn't live in Washington Heights, he lives, he lives elsewhere, but he comes into, into his apartment, and the phone rings, Rav Schwab, he says, did you make a decision? He says, yes. What was the decision? He says, I will do it, but I need time to get the money together. He says, from now until the yeshiva dinner is uh, three months, let's say, I don't know exactly the amount of time. He says, I will pay you every week another installment, whatever that amount is, a huge amount of money. And he says, and by the yeshiva dinner, I will be whole. I will, I, will, I will completely fulfill my pledge. And he did that. Every week went by, gave another 50000 whatever it was, until finally the week of the, of the yeshiva dinner came, and he, he paid everything in full. The day after he paid everything in full, Rav Shua was nifter. And by the way... The story goes that when Roshab was Nifter, he was on his deathbed, and, and this happened, you see stories like this with other G'daylam, but he was, as he was dying, he was like, his hands started lifting, he was in very, very sick, he was like, not able to move, his hands lifted, he says, ah, Tate, Mama, Vishen, it's so, it's so beautiful to see you again. In other words, his parents were coming to embrace him and to escort him up to the Kisya Kavad, to escort him up to Shemayim. That's this vart. The purpose of our lives, after all is said and done, after we go through so many months, days, years of... And we're, this life is, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting life. What should I tell you? We, we see what's going on in the world and how things turn. And, and we have good periods. We have bad periods in history and in just in our own lifespan. We have 9-11s and we have October 7s. And then we have wonderful times. And we have, we have simchas that we make. 
And then we, we study, and we, we get a profession, and we get a job, and, we, and, and there's so much to life. Life is so beautiful, and life is so interesting, and life involves a lot of struggle and a lot of challenge, like we spoke about at the Tish on Tuesday, on, on Tu B'Shvat night. Life is very, very profound, and there's so much, there's so much to life, there's so many bills to be paid, there's so much stress, but there's so much joy, and there's so many misunderstandings, but then there's so much understanding, and there's so much terror to be learned, and to be enjoyed, and to be savored, and to be appreciated, and Zmiris, and Shabbos, and Yom Tevim, and Simchas, and good times, and there's Tisha B'avs, and there's three weeks, and that's how life is, and that's how our personal lives are. But at the end of the day, we always want to know what's the beginning and what's the end of the story. The beginning of the story is that we're here, and Baruch Hashem, we're in a great place. We're positioned to glide straight to Elam Haba. We have to make sure that we get there, and that when we get there, we're going to be able to stand before the Kisah Kavid, sin-free, without a, face the music, this is, I believe, a tremendously important takeaway of the Shir Hayam. We want to live with the Parsha. We want to take away everything from the Shir Hayam. We might not have time to do that. I'm just giving you one of maybe a million different takeaways from the Yaz Yashir, but it just coincidentally happens to be the most important takeaway of our life. While the Jews were experiencing Kriyas Yamsuf, they were obsessed with the Mikdash. Zekele, the Anveyo, I want to build you a base of Mikdash. Mikdash Hashem, what's this constant refrain, this chant of Mikdash, Mikdash, Neveshanan, what's going on? Why, what do you need a base of Mikdash for? You're doing great. You just saw Dashras Hashchina, you saw Vayimin Bashem Meshavdai. You saw Kriyas Yamza, you saw your enemies destroyed. You're in a great... What are you, what are you singing about the Beis HaMikdash? Because the Beis HaMikdash is a place that we need. What do you need it for? L'chaper lanu al It's the place that we're able to get atonement. And life without atonement, life without a way, a delete button for our Averis, is a scary place. It's a beautiful place if I have the ability to, to self-regulate my Averis. Meaning... I do an Avera, that's human. We, can't, we have to avoid Averas, and we try, but we're human. And we might see things that we don't want to see, but we, we're, we're tempted and we do. What do you do then? You daven Baruch you do an immediate tshuva. You say, Baruch I'm sorry, it's not going to happen again. We try to make amends, we try to fix the problems. We wrong somebody else, we said something to somebody else, and we felt bad about it, we made him feel embarrassed. What do you do about that? Well, you got to give him a call, as difficult as it is, and say, I'm sorry for doing that. I, didn't, I shouldn't have done it. I embarrassed you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Be meichel me. Hopefully he'll forgive you. If he doesn't forgive you, give it a break. Let it, give it a little more time, and then call him again in a couple of weeks. If he doesn't forgive you, try it again, but in a nice, normal... And if he doesn't, then you're, you're potter after three times. But you have to try sincerely to get mechila from people that you owe mechil. Maybe now we're remembering people that we, we wronged years ago when we were in high school, we were in elementary school. Maybe we stole some money from someone uh, inadvertently or whatever. We were working for a, you know, and we did something and we, no problem. Send them a check for what you owe. Make amends in this world, but you have to be able to make sure that as best you can, you want to live life and at the end of our life, 
there's a mikdash Hashem, there's a place that we understand, that we know, that we have a kapara for our veils. We don't have a base of mikdash today. We have karbonis, we have a siddur, we have tshuva, we have a Rashon Yom Kippur, we have an every day of our life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says you don't have to wait for Rashon Yom Kippur. The whole year is okay for, do, for doing tshuva. But this is a very essential point of life to be able to make sure that we're living a good, clean, honest, healthy, productive life and that when we do something wrong, we face the music. We don't deny, we don't try to avoid, we don't try to pretend that it's fine and, uh, and, and then turn the tables on the person and make them the... G- no, I did something wrong, I apologize. My bad, I'm sorry, what can I do to make it up to you? Hakarishbach, I did something wrong, please, I'm begging you, be me. That is the chorus, that is the refrain of a Jew's life. A special Jew's life, a holy Jew, a Rishwabdika Jew. And this is what I think is a great takeaway, one lesson from the Shira that we could live with, that tomorrow as we're saying it in davening and then we lane it again and we have the ruach, the Shabbos of the Shabbos Shira, we have to think about this. We have to understand the beauty of being a Yid is the ability to always try to be honest with everything that we do, be ethical, be moral, be fine, upstanding people. And Amir Hashem, when we do that, then our entire lives will be lives that were well spent, that were well lived, and we could ultimately go before the Kisei HaKavit and said, I say, I have done your shlichas, and I am standing here without any traces of Avera. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Rabbi Yisrael.